Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. I read a story about a young lady that I thought was interesting. Her name is Dorothy. And Dorothy, during the first day of speech class, her teacher was going around the room and most, like most teachers, they, they had uh, the students introduce themselves. Hi, I'm so-and-so. And each student was to respond to, uh, to the questions. The questions were, what do I like about myself and what don't I like about myself? So you could picture the scene. Dorothy is in this class. Teacher says, okay, hi, I want you to introduce yourself. Tell me what you like about yourself and tell me what you don't like about yourself. Well, nearly hiding in the back of the room was this young girl named Dorothy. Her long red hair hung down around her face, almost obscuring it from the view. When it was Dorothy's turn to introduce herself, there was only silence in the room. Thinking perhaps she had not heard the question, the teacher moved the chair over near hers and gently repeated the question. Again, there was only silence. Finally, with a deep sigh, Dorothy sat up in her chair, pulled her hair back, and in the process revealed her face. Covering nearly all the one side of her face was a large, irregularly shaped birthmark, nearly as red as her hair. That, she said, should show you what I don't like about myself. See, here was a young lady devastated, if you will, by the hideous birthmark, And she was desperate for a meaningful touch. That story struck a nerve in me because there's a character today named Naaman who was very much the same. Now, we can look at Naaman. We can see that he was from the Syrian army. We'll get into that. But but Naaman, guys, Naaman, Naaman had a problem. Okay, it wasn't a birthmark, but here's what I want you to see. Naaman was a man who had an idol. That's the first thing we need to wrap our minds around. He was a man who had an idol. You go, what was it? It was success. It was everything that you and I work hard for each and every day. It was success, right? You go, what do you mean? Well, Naaman, if you will, was a rock star. You go, he, he wanted to be treated like a rock star. He was the man, right? Until one day, he came down with leprosy. And you go, well, well, like, what's leprosy? Well, just kind of, you can correlate it to modern-day cancer. That's kind of what it, it correlates to. I mean, there it was, right? Here is Naaman. He's success. He's got an idol. He's like, look at me. And then one day, he got leprosy. You see, his culture and his lifestyle, it disillusioned him to, it disillusioned him when it came to healing. You see, his rock star status had brought tons of fame and fortune But the one thing it couldn't bring, guys, is healing. It couldn't be bought or bargained. It was only through the obedience of a servant girl that Elisha's servant Naaman was to be made whole. Now, again, like I said at the beginning of our study, you can jot this down. I'm calling this message Dead Men Walking for tonight. Why? We discover a man who truly worshipped an idol. One that he formed in his own heart. It was the idol of success. You see, Naaman made a name for himself. People knew who he was. People respected him. You go, problem, all of, all of his success, all of his fame, all of his fortune, everything could not, if you will, guys, could not heal him from this deadly disease called leprosy. As we look at this story in 2 Kings chapter 5, it really beautifully illustrates the spiritual condition of mankind. You see, without the Lord Jesus, we are all dead men and women walking. What's the disease that's killing everyone, Pastor? Is it leprosy? No. Sin is the disease that's devastating everyone. Pastor Ben, I've got a question. You're preaching on a Wednesday night. You know that most people come on when they're saved and they're here and they're loving Jesus. Yes, I understand that. But we need to understand the context that sin, guys, is, a disease, is this disease that really is devastating everyone. It's out in the world. 
Everything you see your coworker go through, you see your, your, your family go through, you see the struggles of a family or friend or coworker or whatever it might be, guys, it's going to stem to one thing. It's going to stem to a deadly disease called sin. And so that's the disease that we have to deal with. And apart from the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, there really is no cure. Naaman thought he was a rock star, thought he was above all that. He thought, why do I need Jesus? I'm blessed in all that I do. I have money in the bank. I have status. I have power. I have the king's ear. Are you kidding me? He thought he was a rock star. And of course, as I was, as I was studying Naaman, it reminded me, you guys remember the movie Beauty and the Beast? You remember Gaston, right? This was Gaston. Okay, and Gaston, I mean, I'm just thinking, do you, do you remember that song, Gaston? He's like this, no one, no one's slick as Gaston, no one's quick as Gaston, no one's neck is incredibly thick as Gaston, for there's no man in town half as manly, perfect, pure paragon. You can ask Tom, Dick, and Stanley, they'll only tell you whose team they prefer to be on. No one fights like Gaston. Douses like Gaston. In a wrestling match, nobody bites like Gaston. For there is no one burly or brawny. As you see, I've got biceps to spare. Not a bit of him is scraggly or, or scrawny. This is the song that Gaston is singing. Well, let me just say this, right? Here's the, here's the correlation. I want you to see that this was Naaman. Naaman was the guy. Naaman was... I mean, guys, his name means pleasantful. He was good looking. This was a guy who, and you think about it, he had it all. He had, he had it all. He had power. You do what I tell you to do. He had status. He had money. I mean, this is a man who, again, think about it. This is a man, if we're all, well, we want to be. This is how we want to be in life. We want to have enough of a bank account. We can do what we want to do. We want to be able to, again, this is Naaman until one day, check it out. The unthinkable happens. You go, what? A spot? A leopardous spot? Oh, could it be? No, surely not leprosy. Oh, but yes, this painful, dreadful, deadly disease. Naaman, right now, He's a dead man walking. Now, before we jump into our text in 2 Kings chapter 5, I obviously, whenever it comes to a topical study, need to give you some background, okay? You need to understand where we're coming from. So First and Second Kings, guys, are a continuation of books of Samuel. As their name suggests, they record the events of the reign of Solomon, then the succeeding kings of Judah and Israel. In the Hebrew Bible... First and Second Samuel form one book. First and Second Kings form a second. First and Second Chronicles form a third book. You go, well, who wrote it? The Jews understood the book was written by Jeremiah, and there indeed are many resemblances. You can go, okay, Jeremiah wrote this, and you go, well, when did he write it? Well, the books cover from the time of Solomon's reign to the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity, a time span of about four hundred years. Now, 1 Kings begins with the death of David, right? We know King David. And chapters 1 through 11 deal with the reign of Solomon. The nation is divided into two kingdoms. You guys remember that, right? When Solomon died in about 930 BC. You have the northern kingdom called Israel, okay? And it's made up of 10 tribes during the existence till about 722 BC. And it had nine dynasties and 19 kings. Let me just give you a spoiler alert. None of them were good. Then you have the southern tribe, right? You have the southern kingdom. It's composed of two tribes. Now, remember, this is just good history for you because when you read the Old Testament, you're able to go, okay, I understand that. You have 10 tribes up here known as Israel. You have two tribes known as Judah, okay? This was the southern tribe. They're divided. They're divided, okay? It only had one dynasty, i.e. David's, and some 20 kings, okay? So that's where we're going to pick up our story. Second Kings chapter 5, Naaman the rock star gets sick. Naaman the rock star gets sick. You guys ready? Look at verse 1. Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. 
because by him the Lord had given him victory into Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Now, your attention, please. Let's look at Naaman for just a moment, okay? First of all, we see, let's look at his resume. Naaman was the commander of the army of Syria. If you can close your eyes and imagine for just a moment, if you go to the northern tip of Israel, we've been there. If you go to the northern tip of Israel, today it's called Tel Dan, and you can look, you can actually see the border fence where, where Israel meets Syria. You can see that, and you can see all along the Syrian and Israeli border. Think about this, okay? Naaman, at this point, he's the commander of the army of Syria. So you have a large country up to the north of Israel, okay? He was second in command only to the king, okay? So you know he had the king's ear. You know that nothing happened unless the king spoke to him directly. He was the, if you will, vice president of the country of Syria. He was that guy. Okay? He had power. He had prestige. He had great authority and position. Do you understand who Naaman is? Okay? He was great. The Bible says he was honorable. He was very, very popular and highly respected. The Bible says he was a man of valor. On his chest must have been many medals of honor and valor. Look what it says. Now Naaman, right, commander of the army of the king of Syria, okay, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Why, though? We got to ask why. Because by him, who? The Lord had given victory to Syria. Now, we don't want to miss that looking at his resume. You go, why? Because we need to understand that no matter who you are right now, Naaman is a heathen commander of the, the, he doesn't know my God. He doesn't know the Lord, but God is still working on his behalf. And so God is the one who gave him victory. God is the one who gave him all of this stuff and gave him the victory to Syria. And we need to remember that. Why? Because a lot of times we feel like there are people who go out and do stuff and they do that on their own accord. And yet we know that our God has been working behind the scenes. It says he was a mighty man of valor. And then it gives us notice three little words that a lot of people kind of maybe gloss over. It says he was a leper. He contracted leprosy. Leprosy. You go, man, that's brutal. You see, this guy was a rock star, man. This guy had it all together. This guy was good looking, head and shoulders above everyone else. When he spoke, the army moved. He had the king's ear. You would want to be this guy. You the one. I mean, he had a charisma. He had, he had charm. He was popular. He had only one problem. He had leprosy. He had leprosy. He was infected with leprosy. Now you go, okay, so what is leprosy? Well, first of all, if you're taking note, you can say it's kind of like modern-day cancer. The problem with leprosy is let's dig a little bit deeper, okay? Let me give you some things about leprosy. Number one, it was a loathsome disease. Loathsome. Leprosy, also known as Hansen's disease, if you look at it today, it's known as Hansen's disease. It's a long-term infection of bacterium, of microbacterium, uh, leprae, it's a microbacterium lepromitosis is what it is. You go, what does that mean? Initially infectious are without symptoms and typically remain this way to 5 to 20 years. Symptoms that develop include, I mean, it's um, granulomas of the nerves, respiratory tract, skin, and eyes. This may result of a lack of ability to feel pain thus lost parts of extremities due to repeated injuries, infections due to unnoticed wounds, weakness, poor eyesight may also be present. In other words, this was not something you wanted to do. How so? Well, we know it was loathsome, okay? We know that mo the most common symptoms were, guys, is that you would have um, skin lesions that have decreased sensation to touch, heat, pain, and are, are, are 
are lighter than your normal skin color. You go, what does that mean? If, if me and Brother Joe were out and we were building something, or let's just let's leave Joe home because he went to play golf. How about me and Stephen? We went to build a fence, and I've got leprosy, and I'm using a hammer, and I'm going to get the, that board in, and I hit my hand. I don't feel anything. I don't even realize because that's what leprosy does. I'm sitting here going, boom, 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 right? The nail's already in, and I'm hitting, and I don't feel anything. Ben, 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 stop, stop. Look at that. There's blood everywhere. Oh, I didn't notice. That's what leprosy does. Guys, think about it. Think about it. That It would get so bad on some of the people that fingers would fall off and they wouldn't know. Toes and, and, and noses and things. I mean, could you imagine? They couldn't even get near the temple. Do you guys remember? They couldn't get around people. They'd have to say, unclean, unclean. And they were just, it was hideous. It was hideous. I mean, think about it, guys. They, they, would, they wouldn't feel any pain. Now, that's kind of the stuff I like right there. I mean, you go ahead and hit me. I don't feel anything. But I mean, think about this, right? It was, it was the lack of ability to feel pain but it would often bring what, I mean, you, you would get infections because you didn't know that you had a wound. You, you didn't know that you cut yourself. You didn't know that you had a big gash. And, and so it, you just, okay, all right. Well, what's the matter? Why do I have a fever? Why am, I, why am I feeling yucky? Oh, I didn't realize that that's what leprosy did. We also know, guys, that it was a contagious disease. It was contagious, and I'll tell you how in just a minute. It was also a deceptive disease. It was a disease not inherited but acquired. We know that it was a disease that had a tendency to increase. It was a disease incurable except by the power of God. I mean, here's what I want you to get. I want you to feel the weight of, of what Naaman's going through, Okay? When Naaman first saw that spot and his, and his skin was a little bit wider than normal, that was just hand, they just handed him a death sentence, guys. And it wasn't like, hey, if you, maybe, maybe if we get you some antibiotics, maybe if we get you and get some radiation in you, or maybe if we get some medicine, you'll be better. You understand that leprosy meant as soon as he saw it, he knew, I'm done. That plays a toll on someone's mind, don't you think? That plays a toll thinking, okay, how much longer do I have? What, what, okay, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family? All of those things go through our mind, guys, when you and I are confronted with even with very serious illnesses, and we start to think, we think of our loved one, we think of, are, are we ever going to see our kids grow up? Are we ever going to see them get married? What about our grandkids? Are we ever going to see our grandkids? And, and I mean, you can imagine. You can imagine. Leprosy also, guys, think about it. Some of the symptoms were they, that, that skin lesions did not heal even after several weeks or several months. You're thinking, man, I've, I've had this cut. How long have you had that cut? It looks pretty bad. It's like an open wound. I've had this for, could you imagine, several months. Could you imagine? Every day you're, you're trying to fix it and, and it, won't, it won't go away. Think about this, numbness or absent, absent sensation in the hands and the arms and the feet. You just didn't feel anything. Now, Let's chat for just a moment, guys. So I want to talk about Naaman for a minute. Naaman lived in Syria, guys, right? And in Syria, they worshipped idols. In Syria, it was a spiritually dark place. And this Naaman, he was the captain of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man, highly respected because to him, the Lord has given, the victor, given him victory to Aram. The man was also a warrior, but he was a leper. He had a position. He was a general of the Syrian and Armenian army, second in command. I told you that. He was a man of great authority and position. He was very popular, highly respected. Pastor, you said that. Exactly. He was a man, guys, whom God used just as he had used Pharaoh and the kings of Israel, or the kings of Assyria and Babylon. 
here's the point. We can see that the Lord can work through whatever he likes to carry out his purpose and plans. But this doesn't save a person. Naaman, Naaman's name means beautiful, which is to imply that he was very handsome physically, but spiritually he had a problem. His problem was he was a leper. In Scripture, leprosy is a picture of sin and man's true spiritual condition without God's salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. When I think of leprosy, do you guys remember? Do you guys remember Moses' brother and sister? Right? Remember when they started to complain? Does God only speak to Moses? Right? And they were struck with leprosy and had to be put outside. I mean, think about it. He had to go pray for Aaron and Miriam. I mean, this is this this is this is a bad deal, guys. Leprosy is a bad deal. Okay? So we know, first and foremost, we know that Naaman, the rock star, okay, he's a dead man walking right now. He's just been infected. He's got leprosy. Look at verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out on raids, and they had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Now, allow me, if you will, to introduce some key characters to our study. Of course, we've met Naaman, okay? If Naaman were to come through our church, those doors would open. He'd have an entourage, and he'd have bodyguards, and, and we would know that was Naaman, okay? He would, he would probably be on the nightly news. He'd probably be trending on all the social media sites. That's Naaman. But we're also introduced to a young little girl, right? It's a servant girl from Israel. Not much is said about her, but we know she's a servant girl. Here's our problem with the servant girl. We know, according to Scripture, that she was taken, Okay, look at, the, look at the text. The Syrians had gone out on raids and they found this little girl and they brought her back. Okay, so she didn't want to come. She didn't volunteer. There she is. And, 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 and again, what is she? She was going to be the handmaiden to Naaman's wife. Another key character we're going to see is Elisha. And we'll meet him a little bit later on. And then we'll see Elisha's servant. Some people know him as Gehazi. Gehazi, we'll see later on. He wasn't very bright. We won't see it tonight, but you can read on. Now, I want you to note with me, guys, the young girl who was brought to Naaman's house captive, right, to serve his wife. Here's a young girl who was minding her own business in Israel, and they're being attacked, and she's taken. Now, you need to understand this. She didn't volunteer. Okay? She's taken... You're going to go now serve. What do we call that, guys? We call that she's now a slave. She's now a slave to the Syrian, right? Naaman, the Syrian, the commander of the army, his wife. What's this poor little girl to do? Okay? Now, she knows a couple of things. What's that? She knows that now she knows her place. She says, okay, this is not what I signed up for. Ever hear that saying? This is not what I signed up for. This is not, this must be the cards that were dealt me. This is my life. I guess I'm going to serve Naaman's wife. This is, this is my life. Can you imagine if, if you were taken at a young age, 12 or 13, never, am I going to ever get married? Am I, I mean, I'm not going to marry someone in Syria. I mean, am I going to serve? I mean, think about the, the, the lot she had. Think about it. Think about her life for a minute. This was not a good thing. You go, well, why does Scripture, why does scripture present her? Well, well let's, let's go on. I want to show you something, okay? Look at verse 3, okay? So this little captive slave child, right? She says to her mistress, that would be Naaman's wife, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Do you guys see that? Look at verse 3. You're going to have to highlight it. You're going to have to underline it. Why? Because that is speaking volumes to us in Christianity. You go, why? There is some amazing truth. You go, what do you mean? Okay, guys, let's dig deep, okay? Think about this for just a moment. This young servant girl is a slave to Naaman's wife, not by choice. Yet, what I see in the, in, in the pages of Scripture is she demonstrates being a Christian 
better than a lot of people do. You go, how so, pastor? Jot this down, choice. Choice? What do you mean by that choice? Think about that. She has a choice in her circumstances to honor God through her work and wisdom. No matter how dark things get, she still shines like the noonday sun. She had a choice. Oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I don't know. I don't like my job. I don't like my position. I don't like this. I don't like that. Listen, if anyone had the right to complain, anyone had the right to go, please, I just want to go home. Please, this is, no, I don't want to serve her. Look, I don't care about Naaman. I'm glad he has leprosy. I don't care. She doesn't. Why? She's demonstrating, guys, she's demonstrating a heart that you and I should possess. A heart that in the darkest of dark, we still show a light that shines brighter than the sun. Why? Because we're Christians. We're supposed to be Christ-like. You go, how so? Well, this is what Scripture is all about. Why? The girl knew that her boss had leprosy. She knew that if she would just keep her mouth shut, Naaman would eventually die. And if he died, maybe that would be an avenue for me to go home. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Hey, guess what? I found out that my boss is sick. Yeah, and you won't believe this. If he dies, maybe they'll let me go because I don't know what will happen. And, and, and I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Look, he's getting worse and worse. And I mean, parts are going to start falling off of him. And, and I know it's sad, but I want to go home. I want to go home. Guys, that's us. That's us. And you go, Why? Because every one of us in this room, guys, we want to go home. We know that we're passing through, but while we're here in a dark world, we can, in the midst of circumstances, shine our light so bright that people will come to Jesus. That's really what we're called to do. I mean, I want you to think about this. I mean, again... She could have said, no, I'm not going to say a single thing. I'm just going to mind my own business. But she doesn't. She took the high road. She chose to be a light in a very dark place. But she goes to her mistress and she says, I know a prophet that can heal my master. And he lives in Samaria. If you're taking note, guys, this girl is living out Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, even before it's written. You go, what do you mean? Remember, Paul writes to the Philippians and he says this. This is for us. You ready? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's what Paul writes. That's what she's doing. You go, what do you mean? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. She's going, I'm not going to allow this to happen. She says, but in lowliness of mind, esteem others better than himself. In other words... Don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boast. It says, be humble towards one another, always considering others better than yourselves. Guys, we should be walking in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. We should always be esteeming others higher than ourselves. We should always be looking and say, hey, what can I do for you? What, how, you know, I, I understand this. Why? Because it shows the heart of Christ. It shows that, and this is exactly what the young girl did. I mean, and, 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 and when we get to 2 Kings 5, a lot of people just bypass that. They say, oh, look at the servant girl. Okay, but let's focus on the key characters, Naaman and Elisha. But I'm going, look at the girl. Look at the girl. She's showing us how we should live and how should we should do life. And how we should esteem others higher than ourselves. And how we should be looking at, 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 at how, how we can be blessing others, not only ourselves. He says, he says, don't do things through selfish ambition. Well, listen, if I, listen, if I, if I, if I scratch my brother's back, he's going to take care of me and see, that's how I do it. And then I'm going to get big and, and, and then I'm going to be powerful. Those are wrong ambitions. We should what, church? We should, we should be lifting each other's up, lifting each other up. What can we do? What can we do? The servant girl. Hey, 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 I know someone. Now, I want you to think this, okay? Guys, wrap your minds around this, okay? In Naaman's house, there's sadness. 
There's no joy in there. Why? Naaman's going to die. I mean, he's got leprosy. Now, if we're not careful, it can be spread. It's spread through contact. So there's not joy in the house. There's, There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of darkness. All of a sudden, his wife comes out, and she's smiling. And Naaman's going, what happened? What are, listen, there hasn't been joy in our house for a long time. Why are you smiling? She said, you won't believe. You won't believe what my little servant girl told me. You won't believe. She said, there's a prophet in Samaria that can heal you. What? What? Guys, with someone who knows a little bit about cancer and and walking through that, had they told my wife, hey, we know somebody, she can be healed. We're going. Are you serious? Let's go. Get in the car. I don't care what it costs. We need to go see this person. We need to go see. He He can be healed. He can be healed. I mean, now there's joy in their heart, right? I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. Now, let me, let me put in a little plug, okay? That's what it should be like in our homes when we accept Jesus. You see, before Christ, there's darkness. Why? Because we have no hope. What do, what do we have hope in this life for? What, to, 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 to exist for 70 years, 80 years, die, and then what? That's it? No, 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 no. But when we accept Jesus, now there's hope. We, got, we know somebody who can forgive. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so, guys, you think about it, right? You think about it. Oh, now there's joy. So what does Naaman do? Look at verse 4. And Naaman went in, and he told his master, and thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel, and the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send the letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I've sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. Well, the first thing we got to talk about is Naaman is what? He's obedient. Why? Syria is way up north, guys, way, way up north. He's got to go all the way down to Samaria. It's a long drive. It's a long walk, if you will. It's a long trek, but he's willing to do it. So he goes to his king and he says, listen, there's a guy, there's a guy, there's a prophet. There's a prophet in Israel. He says he knows God, and I'm telling you. Well, the king says, okay, well, let me send a letter. So notice what he sends, right? Notice, right? How much did Naaman take, you know, to the king of Israel? He took six talents of silver, 30 shekels, 6,000 shekels of gold, about 3,000 ounces, and 10 chains of clothing. You go, Ben, how much is that? He took more than 1.2 million with him to Israel. 1.2 million. All this together shows how desperate Naaman's condition was and how badly the king of Syria wanted to help him. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Wait, 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 wait. There's somebody who can heal me. What do you think it's going to cost? What do you think it's going to cost? I don't care. Here, take this. Take, take 10 tins of clothing. Here, take the gold. Take the gold. I want to see you healed. I want to see you healed. I want to see you healed. You go, Pastor, what's the point? I think one of the points we can glean from this text is really simple. There's no amount of money that could heal Naaman. There's no amount of money. Naaman could have taken 1.2 million. Naaman could have taken 3 million. Naaman could have taken 5 million to the king. There's no, pound, no, no, no amount of money that could heal Naaman. That's, that's the point. Guys, when we, when we put our faith and trust in this world, in money, in power, in position, we will always end up short. We will. We will. When we go, listen, I am, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my bank account at a certain amount. I'm going to do whatever it takes. You will always end up short. Why? Because there's a couple of things that we can't control. Number one, we can't control money. We can't control what it does and what it doesn't do. We can't control stock markets. We can't control credit card interests. We can't control any of that stuff. 
And you know, you know this by those in the stock market when it crashed, I think in 2007, how many people were devastated and lost everything. They were putting their faith and trust. You go, well, Ben, are you saying to me that we should not have portfolios and we shouldn't have... No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, guys, is make sure that your foundation is in Jesus and who God is and who God is in your life and not on what the world wants to tell you and offer you. No amount of power that Naaman had could heal him. No amount of position could heal him. Even a well-drafted letter asking the king of Israel to heal him wouldn't do it, which is absurd, don't you think? Why would he? And and, I mean, this is going to trip out the king. Why? Look at verse 7. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, what happened? He tore his clothes. Am I am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks to quarrel with me. This trips out the king. It would anyone. Could you imagine getting a letter saying to you, Hey, could you heal my friend? He's got cancer. I know you can do it. Are you kidding me? This king goes, this, this, this is tripping me out, and I'll tell you why. Okay? I'll tell you why. When the king of Israel, Jehoram, read the letter, he was understandably upset. You go, Pastor, I would be too. First, it was obviously out of his power to heal Naaman's leprosy. Right? He just could, he couldn't do it. But second, and here's what I want, here's what I want to dig. Yeah, let's go a little bit deep. Okay, guys? Second, he had no relationship with the prophet of God who did have the power to heal. He thought that the king of Syria basically wanted a fight. And you go, well, what's the point? Okay, check it out. The king of Syria, in handing Naaman $1.2 million, okay, the king of Syria assumed the king of Israel was, in a, was on a much better relationship with Elisha than he really was. Okay, Pastor, I still don't get the point. Well, here it is. You ready? It's easy for others to assume that we have a better relationship with God than we really do. You go, what does that mean? It's something that you and I have to work hard at, and it's just being transparent. Being transparent. Because when we're not transparent, when we're trying to, oh, praise the Lord, brother, how are you? People assume that we might have a better relationship than we really do. But when we're transparent Christians and we go, and this is who I am, I struggle every day just like you. I, I still have, I mean, I get it. This is, this is who I am. Then people, they, they take you at face value and they go, man, he has a real relationship because he still struggles and yet he's honest and he's a man of integrity. He's a woman of integrity. He's not trying to be anything other than who he is, other than who she is. And people are not assuming based on outer appearance, okay? People are not assuming that we have a, what, a better relationship than we really do. Here's what people do, guys. Not all of us, but there's what people do. I'm going to use big, broad brush strokes so you know people, because I know people listen on the radio, and I know people listen on podcasts, but here's what a lot of people do. When I was growing up, my grandma's house, okay, that was the best place to go to. Grandma's cooking was amazing. And I'm telling you, a miracle happened every time she cooked because she would get out leftovers. And I'm, I'm telling you, people would eat and there was still more food left over. I don't know how it happened. I'm telling you, I saw miracles. But grandma had one thing. You go, what did grandma have? Grandma had what I called the cold room. You go, the cold room. The cold room is a room that the kids were not allowed to go in. And you go, why was it cold? Because they would never put the heater on unless company was coming over. Okay, it stayed cold all the time. Now, it was a beautiful room. It had every picture, every perfect, every doily. I mean, it was the most amazing room. I would sneak in from time to time, but it was no fun because, first of all, it was cold. And second of all, I mean, there was no fun in there because if you got got, I mean, then grandma would be upset. The cold room, guys, was immaculate. 
dusted, clean. You know what I'm talking about? But the rest of Grandma's house could be messed up, but the cold room was the one that people saw when they first came to the house. Why? Because it was usually the first room with a big picture window. I remember that. And so when people would drive up and they would come visit Grandma who didn't know, who weren't family and normally weren't there, she would go in through that door which led into the cold room. You go, Pastor, what's your point? That room reminded me of what a lot of Christians are. They show people, guys, the cold room. How are you? Look at my cold room. Look at my, this, this is my cold room. It's, isn't it nice? How are you? Praise the Lord. How are you doing? Bless you. Bless you. Amen. Hmm. Amen, brother. I'll pray about that, brother. Yes, amen. But we don't realize is that the rest of the house is dirty. And you go, and the point? It's easy for others to assume, guys, that we have a better relationship because we, we show them the cold room first. But you know where you get you know where you get to be really good family? I didn't say friends, you know where you get to be really family? It's when you say, Come on in. My house is a mess. I wasn't expecting come on in, man, sit at the table. You got dishes, right? You got clothes, you hadn't dusted, but you're okay with that. Why? Because you know that everyone's house is a little dirty from time to time. And they go, Oh. I'm going to bypass the cold room because this is who you really are. This is who I really am. Sorry about the dishes. Oh, no problem. I have dishes too. Sorry about the laundry. Oh, no problem. I have laundry too. Man, I have not. Listen, you know, and I didn't know you were coming over and the dogs got in here and they just tore their dog food up all over. Oh, goodness. Come on in. Let's sit down. You want some tea? You see, guys, that's what makes us different because... We're transparent. We're transparent. Back to our story, verse 8. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let Naaman come to me, and you shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman sent with his horses and his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Guys, picture the scene. What? The king is tripping, right? Elisha hears about it. He says, no, tell Naaman to come. I want him to know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman comes, stands at the door. What's he hoping to see? He's hoping to see the prophet. He's hoping to see Elisha. He's hoping, okay. All right, I'm getting one step closer to being healed. The little servant boy comes out, guys, right? And he says, hey, how's it going? Uh, You're not Elisha. No, he's inside. But here's what he told me to tell you. Go to the Jordan River, dip seven times, and you'll be healed. That's what he says. A one and done. Okay, now you and I have the word of God, but think about it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, to self to, I want you guys to wrap yourself around what he's saying. How would you feel? Would you do that? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right? That's like, that's like if you have cancer, think about it, you have cancer, and instead of seeing the oncologist, he sends in a student, who's, I mean a student nurse maybe. And the nurse comes in and goes, oh, I have your chart here. Here's what you need to do. You're going, um, excuse me? Nay, 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 nay. I, I want to see the doctor. I need some answers. Well, here's what you need to do. Just go down to the Jordan River, dip down seven times, and you'll be healed. So, no doctor. How many of us would get mad? I, I, I want to see the doctor. I, I, I need some man. I mean, I would. If that was my wife, I'd be like, mm-mm. What are you, 12? I want to see the doctor. I, I mean, come on. Sir, don't call me sir. Listen, you're making me mad. This is my wife here. This is my life here. We're not going to do this. Well, we can, we can appreciate that. Notice. Elijah doesn't even come to the door. He sends a messenger. 
Naaman, what did he do? He took the trouble to come to Elisha. Elisha refused to see him and give him a personal audience. Now, let's take it one step further. To you and I, I want to see the doctor. But could you imagine? Could you imagine if our vice president of the United States of America went to see the doctor and the little student? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. He's, he's, he's got power. He's, I mean, this is the vice. Are you kidding me? That's exactly how Naaman's feeling. He's a rock star. Are you kidding me? You don't understand. Right? I came here to see Elisha. I've come a long way, and you, I mean, you know what? You're insulting me. And so he, he gets upset. This was humbling to Naaman, who was accustomed of being honored all the time. Now, I want you to remember, and I want you to jot this down, okay? Remember who Naaman worships. He worships an idol. What was that idol? Success, notoriety, fame, fortune, power, position. Okay? And because of this idol, note the reaction to the cure. He told him how to get cured. He says, but Naaman came and became furious. And he went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, well, surely not come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana or the far part, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? What's he thinking, church? Help me out here. He's thinking it's about the water, not about faith. He's going, man, listen, the Jordan is muddy. It's yucky. It's gross. But there's better rivers over in Damascus. I thought he was going to come out and he was going to do these crazy things and call on God, right? And, and lightning was going to come down and fire and it was going to... And it's going to be a grand thing. And it's like, welcome to the grand illusion. This is amazing. And, and uh, no, he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. So he goes upset. He's just upset. He said, I've got to wash them and be clean. So he turned and went away. Notice the word, guys. He went away in a rage. He became furious and he's just, he is upset. Why? You got to ask yourself, why? Why is he upset? Because his expectation of how God should work was crushed. Oh my goodness, if you didn't feel that one. How many times are we upset with God? Because we expect him to work one way and he didn't. How many times are we upset? How many people have walked away from God because they expected God to work just like Naaman thought? (sighs) (sighs) Going to happen. And, And he's like, no, just go do this. Here's what we're doing, guys. We often put God in a box, and if God doesn't work within our box, we, 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 we get upset. We get furious. I think we need to take a step back like Naaman and go, man, God can work any way he wants to. He can do anything he wants to do. He doesn't owe me any explanation. He doesn't know, he doesn't owe me that I have to understand his ways. He is God. And I, I am not. Well, Naaman goes off in a huff, right? And his, and his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done it. How much more then, he says to you, go wash and be clean. And don't you just thank God for faithful subordinates who will speak to their superiors in such a way? You see, Naaman was obviously angry, and yet they were bold enough to give him what some good advice that he needed to hear. Don't you just love it? Hey, Naaman, can I, can I talk to you for a moment? Can I, can I talk to you for a moment? Hey, listen, if, if, if he would have told you to do something crazy, you would have done it. If he would have told you to, I mean, think about it, something outrageous. And I love that Naaman, I mean, here's the thing. This is the first thing you got to do, like the text doesn't say, so it's just my opinion, okay? But you got to see the heart of Naaman. Because he was a commander, he still had a relationship with those that served him. 
And I think that shows great leadership, that, that people that you lead can still come to you and lovingly say, hey, I heard the advice. I heard the advice, and, and if he would have asked you to, you know, you would have, but, 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 but Brother Naaman, do you think maybe you, sh- you should? I think that's wonderful. They felt the freedom. Why? Well, first of all, guys, they probably had a relationship with their leader. But second of all, this is dire straits. He's going to die. He's going to die. You go, Pastor Ben, that just blew my mind. Why? Because that's the gospel. The gospel, when we tell others, first of all, guys, we need to... Listen, I love mass evangelism. Hey, let's, let's, let's get a big arena and let's call people and, and, and let's get them saved. But you know where it works a lot? It works when you have a relationship with somebody. Okay? You got to have a relationship. You can go to your boss and go, listen, you got a deadly disease that's going to kill you. Thank you for allowing me to come and, and be able to share with you. But the reason I'm sharing with you is because Without the cure, you're going to die. This is, it's high, high, high importance. There's a difference from being arrogant, okay, and trying to go, well, I'm going to win people for Jesus and loving people so they get saved. Loving people get saved. Why? Got to have a relationship, right? Got to have a relationship. And then it's, a, it's, I mean, he's going to die. I don't want to see my friend die. I don't want to see my friend die. So what does Naaman do? Look at verse 14. So he went down, he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the men of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the men with all his aids, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Indeed, I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take this gift from your servant. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged them to take it, but Elisha refused. Guys, do you see that? Here's what I want you to see. Here's where salvation comes. You ready? Here's where cure, here's where the healing comes. Where does it come? He had to be obedient first. Do you guys see it? Do you guys see it at all? What do you mean? There's both... Ephesians and James wrapped up in this verse. You go, what do you mean? Right? He first had to be obedient in order to do the works into the Jordan. What happens, guys, is first and foremost, Ephesians says that that, uh, It is by grace we have been saved through faith, not out of ourselves, lest anyone should boast, right? It's, it is through faith. It's through obedience, right? James says that faith without works is dead, okay? So he says right here, first and foremost, he didn't just, he didn't just do this. Okay, go right. Here's a bucket. Let's just dip it. He says, okay, I need to see your faith, your faith in Jesus first and foremost, your faith in Jesus. Okay, his faith led him to the Jordan River, and then, as a result of faith, then there was works. There was, you guys see that? You go, well, pastor, what's, what, what's the point? Here's the point, and here's where I want to strongly urge our, our, our listeners. Sometimes we put works first before faith. He had to have gone to the Jordan believing. He had to have gone believing the words. Or else he wouldn't have gone. Or else, I mean, think about it. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm going to go. I don't think it's going to work, guys. I mean, really, look how dirty the Jordan is. Okay, well, here's one. I don't think it's going to happen. He had to believe first and foremost. And he he had to go. Well... He comes out, notice what it says, he was clean. Man, can you imagine? He looks at his hand and it, man, it's just like, it's clean. It's clean. It's clean. So he goes back, Elijah, Elijah, thank you. Here, here's a gift. And Elijah's like, no, no, no. 
No, I'm not taking that. I wanted you to see that there was a prophet, that there was a God in Israel. By your confession, you said there's a God in Israel. There is a God. There is a God who governs all of us, guys. He is in the heavens. I don't understand him all the time. I have his word. I try to walk with him daily. But there is a God. There is a God who, who, is, who is so powerful. Okay, in my computer the other day, I looked this up, and I just looked up, I just typed in Canis Majoris. Okay, the biggest star that we've known, Canis Majoris. And, it, and, it, and what's really cool is on YouTube, it says, okay, here's the earth. Okay, here's the sun, and then it just gets smaller and smaller by the time you hit the stars. And, we, and, then, and then it says, okay, by the way, you're in this galaxy, and then we're in part of, a, of millions of galaxies. I mean, we're, I'm just like, there's a God who created all of that who knows who I am and who loves me enough that he sent his son to die on the cross. You know how I know it's true, guys? Just look at the world. We as Christians are the minority now. It's not cool to be a Christian. It's not hip to be a Christian. It's not hip to be a follower of Jesus. It's changing. It's changing. People say, don't believe in God. Don't worry about this. Don't. I'm going, no, 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 you don't understand. There is a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. Let me close with this, okay? Naaman, there is a man who had an idol. What was it? Success. Naaman was a rock star. Thought, man, my money will take care of it. My position will take care of it. Until one day, the dude got sick. The dude got sick. We know that, right? His culture, his lifestyle, it disillusioned him when it came to healing, right? He thought, man, what? there's nothing that can be done. But it was only through his obedience. And now Naaman is healed. Now, here's what I want to do. In the next two minutes, guys, I want to show you the analogy between leprosy and sin. Because that's what we're dealing with. You go, what are they? Number one, we know that sin is loathsome. You go, how so? Ezekiel 8, you can jot these down, guys. Ezekiel 18, 20, I'm going to read them, but you can just, you can just mark them down. It says this, Ezekiel says, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The, righteous of the, the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But he, what does he tell us? He says, the soul that sins shall die. It's loathsome. We also know that sin is contagious, just like leprosy. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 says this, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Sin is very contagious. Number three, sin is deceptive. Jot this down. Hebrews chapter 3, 13 or 12 and 13 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any evil, any, any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceptive. How about this? Number four, sin is not inherited but acquired. Ezekiel 28.15 says this, You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Just like leprosy, number five, sin has a tendency to increase. James 1.15 says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. That's just like leprosy. And of course, last but not least, guys, sin is incurable except through the power of God. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12 says this, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among by men which we must be saved. Hebrews 9, 22, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And last but not least, 2 Timothy 2.10 says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, 
that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for Naaman. We thank you, God, that the whole story is just amazingly wraps up in, in, in the gospel message, Lord. And Lord, every, every letter from Genesis to Revelation speaks of your redeeming love for us. And so, God, we love you. Father, no matter what status we are tonight, Lord, we know, we know that we have a deadly disease that only can be cured by you. And so, Lord, we ask for that cure. We open up our hearts, we confess our sins to you, and we ask that you would restore the relationship back to a wonderful, amazing relationship. We just thank you, God, for your word tonight. We thank you for Calvary Chapel, and we thank you that we can learn and grow from your word. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.